0: Out of the sky My dreams went crashing When you said goodbye Who'd think that Hello and welcome to the H.P. Lovecraft book club as you probably know this podcast uh, is working its way through the the writings of H.P. Lovecraft uh, both his fiction and nonfiction writing and as we'll see now his his uh, ghost writing revisions and editing jobs uh, so, um, so that's what we're going to be doing for the next uh, several weeks I believe uh, is finish up with the final set of his revisions. We've been flipping back and forth between the stuff he published under his name and the stuff he collaborated with others on. As I talked about in those previous episodes as well, uh, uh, with his collaborations, you got to mix. Some things are true collaborations, and we're going to see some examples of that, where really both writers contributed substantially to the story. We have some where it's more Lovecraft providing advice and editing. We have, uh, I think in this set, we have a couple examples of. Of things Lovecraft wrote that other people put forth, at least there's one example of that uh, in in the revisions uh, somewhere. Uh, you know, and there's there's examples where he just ghost wrote, right? So we talked about that with the with the Zelia Bishop three Zelia Bishop stories, like Medusa's Coil and Curse of Yig and the Mound, which are clearly pretty much Lovecraft works, right? So we're going to kind of continue in that vein. Uh, with the next three stories which uh, which are the collaborations he did with Hazel Heald uh, so these are pretty much ghost written as I understand it um, there are five of them uh, starting with the man in stone and ending with uh, the horror and the burying ground so those are the five and, the, and there's three others um, now as we go through these revisions not just the Hazel healed ones, but all the rest that I have access to. It's and these are fiction revisions. He also did some nonfiction revisions, but I'm not. You I know, mean, I'm not going to really go through all of them. I I'm still would like to maybe look at the Houdini uh, skepticism ones, but well, whatever. Uh, we talked enough about that stuff, anyways. I think. Uh, you know, some of these are pretty famous, important stories in the Lovecraft canon. I think uh, certainly the horror in the museum, which was a Hazel Heald ghost uh writing project out of the eons i think it's fairly well known um the sequel to silver key uh through the gates of the silver key is maybe the most important uh story in this in this collection and then there's a lot of stories which unless you're a real hardcore lovecraft fan you probably didn't even hear about so and i don't know where they all fit I, i'm not really that in touch with with you know what are the most well-known and studied and appreciated stories i i know like the the horror in the museum that kind of shows up in some of the lovecraft culture right some of the board games and stuff like that it kind of feeds into that and of course the uh through the gates of the silver key being you know a dream one story being a sequel to one of his most important stories you know is is also pretty well known so anyways uh we're going to start uh, with the Man of Stone, uh, published in, written in 1932. Uh, it was published also in 1932 in Wonder Stories uh, under Hazel Heald's name. But this, like pretty much all the Hazel Heald stories, is is essentially ghostwritten by H. P. Lovecraft. These stories, I think, are are good to look at because we really see Lovecraft playing with tone. Uh, these are in some cases, lighter stories. Um, like I think the, the Whore in the Burying Ground is, is a lighter, more comedic story in many ways. Uh, we got in The Man of Stone and Winged Death, we have the really the villain's perspective, which is something different. We haven't really seen too much of that in Lovecraft's work. Usually we have some kind of hero who something's being revealed to. In these stories, we have a, a villain who knows something and is aware of kind of the realities of of magic, or or some other something else, uh, science perhaps, and they use that to inflict some kind of revenge. They're not the best stories, but I think they are notable for being from the perspective of the villain. We have uh, like horror, like uh, what's it, horror in the museum. Yeah, the horror in the museum, which also has a little bit more of a comedic take. I think it's a little over the top. I guess maybe not. Maybe not a comedy, but it's a, it's certainly a little bit over the top. So we have kind of different tones. They're all really fun stories, and I think most of you would enjoy reading them. Um, so, anyways, the man of man of stone. Um, it's not too much to say about this this story. Um, basically, we're given a, a man who. Heard about these statues out on like these some kind of hiking trips, he, you know, that there's statues, specifically like a statue of a stone dog and another one of a stone man. Here's how it's described. He's telling, he's telling his friend Jack. So it's Jack and Ben. Uh, Jack's our narrator and he's going with his friend Ben to investigate these, these sculptures. Um, so we got the two important ones are this dog and the man, and they both are really, really realistic. So, quote, it seems he was out hunting one day and he came across a cave with what looked like a dog in front of it. Just as he was expecting the dog to bark, he looked again and saw that the thing wasn't alive at all. It was a stone dog. Such a perfect image down to the smallest whisker that he couldn't decide whether it was a supernaturally clever statue or a petrified animal. He had almost, He was almost afraid to touch it, but when he did realize, it was surely... And when he did, he realized it was surely made of stone. And it's the same with the stone man. Now the stone man has this resemblance to this famous art artist Arthur Wheeler. So they're going to go and investigate this and ask him around. Now the story is a bit of a of a cheat uh, because you think you're going to get this kind of s- story where they're investigating this. Instead, you really end up getting the story from the from the villain's perspective, who's kind of a wizard, uh, kind of an alchemist. We've seen Alchemist before in Lovecraft's work, and I guess the Alchemist was, not entirely, but you, you do get the alchemist perspective in that story um, through various devices. Uh, here you actually get the, the Alchemist's words as he's, conf- you know, completing his evil um evil scheme i guess you will it's a it's a a revenge story right It's, it's about adultery which i guess is another thing we have here that is maybe not too common in lovecraft stories which is uh an emphasis on sexuality on relationships being the driver of the plot um so anyways they're out asking around and they ask like the the loafers the lower class people who are nearby the vagrant types um and they know something. So, this is another Lovecraft trope, which talked about endlessly here how there's some knowledge usually in the hands or in the heart, I mean, in the heads of, of the working class, of the lower classes. Uh, they usually know something because they're kind of closer to where these traditions thrive. Uh, the, the, the people associated, the Innsmouth folk, right? Um, I guess are maybe the best example of that, but we saw it also in Horror at Red Hook and, and many other tales where. It's the lower classes who are more in touch with, with uh, the horrors. That's the case here. They get uh, sent to the direction of the cabin of Mad Dan. Um, Mad Dan being a, essentially our villain of the story, a wizard of sorts. Um, but he's kind of a mysterious figure in town. Here's what they say about him. Um, well, yeah, they ask about this Arthur Wheeler. And they say, well, he was staying with Mad Dan in his cabin and they so the guy continues the this is this is this this old man they're talking to getting this information from uh, Got so he won't want no more by dan that is kindest off smoke spoken on dan's wife Seen hide nor hair of him since quote so that's the official story is that this wheeler started living with them doing some you know, his sculpture work, sculpture work. Um, he falls in love with the wife. They get together and then he's driven off. Right. <clears throat> so anyways, they go off into the hills. Our narrator and his friend go off into the hills. They see the stone dog and they confirm its perfection. We hear almost the same kind of text used to show their awe and, and, and amazement at how realistic and lifelike this, this stone dog is. And uh, they also find the statue of of Arthur Wheeler as well, um, and then they eventually make their way to uh, Mad Dan's cabin. It's a pretty nice narrative. It's, it's like the first half of the story is, is kind of this exploration of this backcountry area, the discovery of Mad Dan's Mad Dan's cabin, um, and then they go into Wheeler's study and they find all his tools, his granite blocks, limestone blocks. You know, the things that would have been his studio. Um and eventually they track down the diary of Mad Dan. Um, so that's the basically the setup of the story. And it takes about it's a little bit less than it's a little actually maybe a little bit more than a half of the, the like the story, so about three thousand words to get us to this point. But then the story switches and we're entirely in the mind of of first Mad Dan and then Mad Dan's wife, his name is Daniel Morris um so now the first thing we learn about mad dan in his text and there's this text is a little bit too confessional so it's a little bit too convenient that all this is laid out you can tell lovecraft being just a little bit lazy right he could have told the story maybe in a different way but just by finding this diary then i can just tell the story and and move on with my life write something else so it does not fully work that way and and i think it's probably a fault of the Wing Death 2. It's interesting we get this villain's point of view and their perspective on things, but the way it's given is just a very convenient diary happened to be hanging around. But anyways, that's just, this is a, a little bit of a nitpick. You know, this isn't a great story, anyways. So it's not like it's uh, it's not like it's bringing this level down that much. It's it's interesting though. This story does have some value. It's it's worth checking out. I think, um, even though it's also kind of obvious what's 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 going on. Uh, Anyways, he gets his magic. Mad Dan gets his magic, his power through heredity. This is important. This is, again, another Lovecraftian trope. He writes in his diary, They tried to stop me from sacrificing the black goat at Halloween, and I always prevent my doing the great right that would open the gate. They ought to know better, for they know I am a van Karoon on my mother's side, and anyone this side of the Hudson can tell what the van Karoon's have handed down. We come from Nicholas van Caroon, the wizard who was hanged at Ritgart in 1587, and everyone knows that he had made a bargain with the black man, right? So we got kind of the bargain with the devil here, but the, you know, he also seems to be connected in some way to the Shubnigareth uh, stories and and elder god. So, but that's not where the story goes. It's not, about opening a gate and fulfilling that maybe he wants to do that but it becomes a much more mundane but in some ways more interesting uh, love triangle and revenge story so his wife rose basically falls in love with this arthur wheeler who's working in his studio a guest of 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 mad dan why you would be a guest of this guy I, i guess i'm not quite sure on but i guess it was Mutually advantageous for both to, to, to live together for a while. But anyways, ends up falling in love with the wife. They have their affair. And he knows about this uh, pretty quickly, right? He found out, I think, he talks about Thanksgiving and how clear everything was that Wheeler's trying to steal his wife at the Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. So he pulls down his book of Ibon, his, his Grimoire, sorry, his Grimoire, his uh, spell book, and he gets this allows him to play with uh, other Lovecraftian deities here that he's created. So we have uh, the emanations of Yoth mentioned. We have again Shub uh, Nigareth uh, mentioned here as an inspiration for the spells. But it's all about just creating a, a potion that's going to turn people into stone. All right, so that's the idea so is a potion just he creates a potion a stone potion any experiments on different things That's why there's a stone dog uh, So it's revealed that he made these these aren't the works of Wheeler a skilled artist who's able to perfectly recapture reality uh, Kind of like uh, Pikmin uh, But instead we have the products of his experiments um, so they try first on the dog the dog turns to stone he gets this kind of petrification but he's very patient he of can, constantly trying to perfect the potion get the right quantities and all that and he finally gives weller uh his drink um and and it turns him kind of instantly into stone he decides now he's got to get uh, a revenge on his wife but he wants to do this at a lower dose he, he now the reason why is I guess he puts it in the wine, but because the wine covers up the flavor of the poison and it's got a strong flavor and the wine covers it up. But in water it's not gonna work. So he has to use a very, very low dose to poison his wife. And so he, you know, gives her little bits in her water. But still little dose, such a small dose that it can't you know, she can't smell it and taste it. So so we got like months of him trying to poison her finally he like you know it's not working he puts her in the attic which is really reminiscent of of the Colorado of space where you have a a woman transforming behind the, the closed doors of an attic right if you remember that story the woman was l- the wife of the victim in that story is put in the attic while she's transforming into basically some kind of her, her body's eh, undergoing that transformation brought about by the meteorite somehow right of course that's a big mystery here the it's it's more she's trapped in this tower trapped in the in the in the attic and he gives her food and water every day but the water has this little bit of potion but he keeps hearing her and so she's not transforming and he doesn't know really why he uh he writes at one point it is very queer this is uh norris mad dan it is very queer. She's alive and moving. Tuesday night, I heard her piggling with a window and went up and gave her a raw hiding. She acts more sullen than frightened. Her eyes look swollen, but she could never drop to the ground from that height and there's nowhere she could climb down. I've had dreams at night for her slow dragging pace on the floor alone above gets on my nerves. Sometimes I think she works the locks of the door. So he's worried about this. Now, also there's a lot of violence here, right? Of course, he, he beats her for uh, not transforming and for trying to escape. Um, but anyways, suddenly the diary cuts off and we get a diary, basically an, an entry by Rose Rosemorse, the wife. And this is kind of maybe the most interesting part of the story. And it almost makes it a, f- a feminist tale of revenge and uh, someone getting back at her oppressor, her back at her, you know, this... Insane man who's basically enslaved her and that's how she sees her marriage. She talks about it very directly as a type of slavery uh, She was married basically because you know, it was convenient for the family, you know, it was Money, you know, there it was security for her and the family could get rid of her. It was basically that's why he was married off to her, but Married off to him, but He's was from early on in their relationship not just after the wheeler thing, but from early on a cruel man um, quote no one will ever know what i went through as his wife it was not simply common cruelty though god knows he was cruel enough he beat me often with a leather whip it was more than anyone in his age can ever understand he was a monstrous creature and practiced all sorts of hellish ceremonies handed down by his mother's people he tried to make me help in the rites, and i don't dare even hint what they were End quote. so he's using her as a, kind of an experiment in his magical spells now she finds able to escape. She, she talks about how she escapes this attic, um, is able to subdue her husband, and forces him to drink the, the potion that she's been saving up because she's known he was uh, poisoning her somehow. So she wasn't drinking the stuff. That's why she didn't uh, die. I think she was making water from, like the, from outside or something. Um, but he almost immediately like all, collectively all the, all this stuff she saved up the dose was really strong and turns him into a stone man instantly. So this accounts for an, a third stone statue that's that's located in this area that our narrator finds. Now she's dying though so she's not going to have a happy life as a free woman at the, at the end of this she dies for her you know, Ultimately is a victim of Dan Norris as well And so this as story sort of ends Kind of like Dagon where it's like Oh I'm dying Something horrible is coming up the window The window right it's, it's different In this case it's more Makes more sense because he's She's actually dying of her exposure To this this poison And she knows her death is coming uh, And that's it And she asks to be buried next to Arthur Wheeler Buried as much as she can As a, as a stone statue so uh you know basically we have a story that's a little bit about art here about these very realistic statues it turns out they're products of magic we got an alchemist of sorts we got some connection to the to the kind of the lovecraft mythos through mentioning of other gods and these magical traditions uh, we got another reminder of the importance of vernacular traditions and, and class dynamics in that. The heredity in the case of this alchemist's magic coming through his mother's line. Uh, this connection to witchcraft. Once again, you know, one of his biggest obsessions is witchcraft. Um, so we got a lot of good stuff in this story. It's not a great story. It's not, it's not going to blow you away. Um, but I think it's worth checking out. Um, so I rather enjoyed it. so i think that's all i'm going to say about uh the man in stone the man of of stone and uh the next story is a little bit longer uh i'll have a little bit more to say about this one as as well because i think it's a in some ways it's a worse story structurally and it's a little silly but some of its themes under the surface are a lot better. I'm talking about Winged Death here. This is really about science. And it has a lot about empire. Uh, and just some really, really good stuff uh, in Winged Death. Um, again, I, I don't know if it's a better story. I think the best of the healed revisions is is Horror in the Museum. Um, and that one kind of stands so much ahead of the pack. It stands so much uh you know, on top of the hill in this collection of stories that's hard to say which is better but i, I think both winged death and man of stone have something to contribute but winged death is maybe a little bit more interesting for me for my taste even though the story is a little bit sillier uh sillier than a, uh, an alchemist who can make potions that turn people to stone that is um but it is dealing with with science in interesting ways uh in a, in a way i guess the man of stone is dealing with art and that, that'll be a true again in The Horror in the Museum where we see art being a major theme. Um, so I guess that's going to be it for now. Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking about the rest of his revisions as we kind of work our way to the end of this, this series on the works of, of, of Lovecraft. So thanks for spending some time with me and listening. And let me know what you thought of Man of Stone if you read it. Uh, give me your opinions. Uh, send them, write them make a comment below or send me an email at hundred cast at gmail.com all right thanks for listening see you next time now we're strangers gee it breaks my heart to see you day after day turning away as much as to say you never all your